Yes, yes, y'all. We are Regal Radio. This is the War Report. We are RegalRadio.com. War on Anchor and Sports Zone Chicago, giving you the latest NFL talk here. One of one of our last NFL segments we'll probably have for a little while. Uh, you know, we'll uh, I guess maybe we'll have a little something to recap the the big game uh, as it occurs on Sunday. But you know, it hasn't happened yet. So uh, right now we're previewing it. And uh, what once again helping me out with that is our main man Ryan Bukovetsky, NFL writer, Bears writer. You know he handles uh handles leads our NFL coverage on the site. And um, yeah, we're gonna talk. Like I said, we'll give you our thoughts on the matchup. I'll give you our picks, and um, I also talk a little Bears at the end as we as we typically do. But uh, Ryan, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going, it's going okay. It's a weird week because of the Kobe uh, passing. Personally, it kind of threw me off. I wasn't really into the Super Bowl coverage and breaking down matchups and previewing. But as the week has gone along and listening to a lot of sports radio, it's it's finally kind of hitting that point where we are transitioning to the Super Bowl and. It's going to be hopefully an exciting game because both these teams are really good. They're different in styles and kind of like the saying goes, styles make fights. And I feel like this could be an all-time kind of classic now. Hopefully it's able to live up to that billing. Yeah, I think I, I'm hoping for that too. And I I think it may it may do that because I think I've heard some, you know, some people talk about this like, it hasn't been. It certainly hasn't been a typical Super Bowl week, or or particularly memorable one. You know, uh, the other the, the Kobe news has really overshadowed everything, and uh, you know you can't really expect the NFL to. You know, it, it's sort of it's sort of interesting though because I think there have been some some weeks in recent years. I think I think particularly last year you could really say that too, that the NBA really overshadowed the NFL during Super Bowl week, but it was, but it was because of more benign reasons, more, you know, positive reasons because of, I think the, the Anthony Davis stuff had broke that week and there may have been another deal or something that happened that week. You know, Davis didn't get dealt, dealt of course, but the rumors had started then. And it was, it was like, a, it was just a lot of stuff that was going on with the NBA. And that was way more interesting than anything that really was happening with, the lead up to the Rams and the Patriots. And then that game turned out to be so trash. <laughs> it just wasn't very entertaining at all. But this game, like you said, Ryan, really has a chance because of the contrast and the strengths that are involved with both teams. It could really be a, a, a good matchup. And I'm, I, re- I think it will be, you know, the, the, the spread, we'll go into that a little bit, I guess, in, in a minute. But, you know, the the picker, the professional pickers aren't aren't looking at a – they're looking at a close game here. And, uh, you know, anybody who's watched both of these teams throughout the season will, you know, I think there's reason to, there's reason to believe that, there's, that either team could win. You may have a particular favorite, but there's, there's no way you could come into this game and say, oh – 
you know, 49ers are definitely going to steamroll Kansas City or vice versa. You know, it's, it's, it just sets it sets up, I think, for a pretty fine game, potentially. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Both of these teams are extremely talented and, and either winning shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I mean, if you think... Uh, you know, maybe some people don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo and they just feel Kansas City's going to steamroll over San Francisco. I'd be shocked if that happens. I mean, maybe because this matchup sets up and sometimes in sports where it seems like everything's all set up, the game doesn't quite live up to the billing. And it's usually those games you maybe don't expect as much that live way up to the hype. If that's the case, you know, there's nothing we can do, but I look at both of these teams as so skilled, so highly coached, talented, and as long as both teams come in with the mindset of we're going to play our game and our style the way we want to and not get away from things that got us successful, i.e., for example, when Baltimore just, for whatever reason, against the Titans in that divisional round, just started throwing the ball a lot and not trusting their run game, that was a big mistake, and both of these teams, like you look at San Francisco, if they get away from their run game early, that would be a big mistake. So both of these teams need to just come in. You know, it's the cliche that we hear about the Super Bowl, especially for people that haven't been there in terms of the players, I should say. And even coaches, really. You got to kind of get through the first couple series, feeling each other out, kind of getting used to the atmosphere. And then it becomes just a regular game. So both of these teams need to get to that point where it's a regular game and just play their style. And, and I think as long as, you know, big mistakes are made, it should be a close game. And that's usually the determining factor for close games. If one team is just making a bunch of mistakes, we're obviously not going to get that. But otherwise, I would be surprised if it wasn't. Even if the final score is maybe something that looks somewhat uneven, but it'll feel like the game is pretty close throughout, uh, I would say, uh, throughout the game all the way until the final whistle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's 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 get to looking at the phases of the game for each team and see how they how the matchups play out. Let's let's start with you know you you brought a mention to you know the 49ers coming out of the NFC Championship game, obviously proving themselves as they did throughout the season to be a, a very good running team, rushing team. You know, Raheem Mostert had a career game. And you no, know, they're they're using that sort of zone blocking scheme that the Shanahan's have made famous, going back to Terrell Davis in the late '90s with the Broncos, and it, it's just it seems to be a, a formula of running the ball and and, off, and offensive line protection that works well at this time of year. So you got that going for the 49ers, but you also have a quarterback who is not not much has been asked of him at all in this postseason and people are pretty wary of of Garoppolo you know if if needed will he be there to step up and, pro- and produce you know plays that you know the 49ers may need in this game or will he not have to produce again maybe they maybe they run with Mostert again and even you know, beyond most of it, they do have a couple of other guys in that backfield who they could go to uh, and with running the ball. You know, I I'm excited. I I think I wouldn't think that Mostert could do what he did again, 
but maybe a combined effort, they could probably do what they did again against Kansas City. But uh, you know, what do you, what are your thoughts on can on Kansas City's defense, which you know again is it's a it's a pretty good it's it's an improved squad definitely. It's not the type of dominant squad that that we've seen in uh in some time in recent times with teams like Baltimore or Seattle or uh or Denver even in uh in when they made the Super Bowl a couple of years. But um they they've been they've been pretty effective at least in, in the last several games and they've gotten better over the course of the season. So what do you think about that matchup uh, starting off? Yeah, kind of an underrated matchup, I think, because not a lot of people have been really breaking this down. I feel like the the majority of the talk has been the Niners' defense, the Niners' offense, and uh, Kansas City's offense with very little talk coming about Kansas City's defense. And that's how it's been really for like the last month, two months. And they've been playing steady, like you said. An improved unit, consistent over these last two months. And it seems like Steve Spagnola's defensive coordinator is getting through to these guys. And Spagnola famously was the defensive coordinator of the Giants when they took down the Patriots in the Super Bowl with that undefeated team. And so he's a guy that's been in the Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator and, and really coached his team well and prepared them well. So I think that that's going to happen again. Albeit, you know, Kyle Shanahan is a terrific schemer and a terrific offensive mind. So I, I think it's going to be a battle for uh, Spagnola for sure throughout the game and trying to kind of match what Shanahan calls. But uh, again, when you beat the Patriots and Josh McDaniels and them, I, I think you feel confident in your ability to game plan and prepare your team. And the other thing, too, with Kansas City is they do have some star power. I mean, Chris Jones, when he is on and playing well in the middle of that defense and they didn't have him in uh, as much capacity before because of his calf problem. He didn't play in the divisional round and played in the championship series, but on a somewhat limited basis. But when he played against the Titans, he made an impact both in the pass game and in the run game. And you, they really need that again. They need that Fletcher Cox type, uh, Aaron Donald type impact where it's just caving the middle of that offensive line that's really solid and good for San Francisco and uh, forcing them to maybe kind of get away from their game plan because he's wrecking them too much and allowing other guys behind him, like Tyron Matthew, the safety. And he's one of the best safeties in the league, and he can really be, I think, used all over. If you want to put him at linebacker, I think he'd have a chance to do it because he's so physical. He's very good in coverage. I would expect him to get a lot of George Kittle, and I think Steve Spagnuolo is going to hope that maybe he can take Kittle out of it a little bit or – I could see them maybe going away and trying to take Yuschev, the fullback from San Francisco, that they use in a variety of ways. Maybe Tyron Matthew tries to neutralize him out of the backfield. Whatever it is, I, I think there's going to be a lot of wrinkles. And then, of course, they also have that, that pass rusher on the edge in Frank Clark that they brought in. And coincidentally, D Ford, the pass rusher for the 49ers, who was with the Chiefs last year, he kind of became his replacement. And uh, he had a very solid season. And with all those star powers playing well, and as long as the other pieces around them play solidly, it, to me the big thing for Kansas City's defense is how well they react to all the different disguises that Kyle Shanahan's going to put. 
because you know with this offense of the 49ers, they're extremely physical, and they play a lot of these big packages, similar to what the Rams do in uh, L.A., seeing as how both Sean McVay and uh, Kyle Shanahan work together. It makes a lot of sense. But uh, they run that same kind of power run coming down on you, and then all of a sudden you load up the box thinking we've got to stop the run. They run a play action, Kittle going one way, Yuschev going another way. You have more step maybe out in the flat, and you've got a couple good receivers in Debo Samuels and Emmanuel, or yeah, Debo Samuels and Emmanuel Sanders. So it's going to be quite the challenge for Kansas City. They're going to have their hands full. The big thing for them is how they react to the different disguises and when the you know Kyle Shanahan calls one of those play actions that is trying to sucker them into the strong side because it leaves the weak side all open. And he is so great at keeping defenses off balance, him being Kyle Shanahan. So it's really, I think, comes down to handling those disguises and then you've got to play with physicality because this, this Niners offense is going to bring physicality. They are going to hit and they are going to block and they're going to be very tough all game long. Can Kansas City match that intensity they did last week with Derrick Henry. They got to do it again this week. I, you get, you go into some good places there, and I'm glad you mentioned like the the potential of some pass operations and uh, play action and stuff. And you mentioned Kittle, and Kittle is so, someone who is definitely on my on my brain that I'm thinking about because you know the fact that Garoppolo hasn't thrown much in in the playoffs. That's also affected his game. But Kittle is also of great use in, like you said, in those power running packages. You know, he's often on the edge helping, you know, uh, helping get, like he's, he's helping secure that edge for those running backs and doing, like I say, just doing good things and blocking to get, to get space for those guys to make plays. But I'm wondering as a, as a, he, he he's great at that, but, his his greatest impact could be as a playmaker. He can break the game open by catching the ball and provide a lot of offense yards after the catch and all that stuff. You know, you, you know, you mentioned Debo and, and Sanders, also good playmakers, guys who can move the chains. But I think that Kittle can be a difference maker, and I'm I'm just wondering, uh, you know, what what type of game do you think that he will have to have? in order for the 49ers offense to make the impact that it'll need in this game? I think he's got to have, uh, you know, not to compare him to an all-time great, but he's got to have a Gronk-type game, I think, and not in terms of of doing the numbers that Gronk would do, but playing the way that Gronk does. Because really, when Gronkowski retired from the Patriots, he was the best two-way tight end, meaning blocking, receiving, in terms of total package. He wasn't the best receiving tight end in the NFL. That was Travis Kelsey, who was a better receiver. But his combination of really, really solid to elite receiving skills to go along with really solid to elite blocking skills, that's what separated him from the pack and made him the best tight end in football. George Kittle is basically the same. If Travis Kelsey isn't the best tight end in football, it's George Kittle because even though he's great as a receiver and maybe a little more natural at it than Gronk, he is a really solid blocker. I mean, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league for his ability to go out there and catch balls. 
So I think as long as he can be that factor where they call run play with their big package and he's a problem for the Kansas City Chiefs when it comes to getting a body on him or even just getting through him, getting getting off the block. Because if Gronk is able to, or I'm sorry, if George Kittle is able to hold the blocks, hold the edges like you're talking about and be a factor, be one of the better blockers, that's going to make it so, so tough because all these linebackers and safeties are going to be coming up. And then all he has to do is just release, which he's tremendous at as a receiver. And if he can get to those chains, maybe make a few plays downfield, but especially in the red zone, and he can be a, a target for Jimmy and really give him easy places for him, for Garoppolo to throw the ball, I think that that's going to be the way that George Kittle is going to win. I don't expect him to necessarily be this big-time receiver. I feel like the Chiefs will try to take him away because he's such a, a receiving weapon. But when he is used in his dual-threat role and he can do both and plays both well, that's, I think, what's going to make him a real problem for Kansas City and could ultimately be the difference in them winning or losing. Because certainly, uh, if he's not the key in this game, I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo is. Yeah, you, you, you really. I think you really hit it on the head there. Like with Kittle, like he, he, he's not likely going to have like a ten. He's not like going to have an MVP type game or game that screams MVP. But he could have a great, great impact on the game, and he could do that with maybe like four, five, or six catches. Like the comparison to Gronk. Was is on point too because, like you remember last year, Gronk really was the most important receiver for for Brady in in that game, and they didn't score a lot, but Gronk had a couple of real clutch uh, catches. It was, I remember the one catch where you know he later said that he like hurt his uh, leg uh, getting hit on, and uh, you know he 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 made that like that was like a big first down that they had in that in that clinching drive. And, uh, you know, that's the type of thing that Kittle probably is going to have to do. And maybe, maybe one or two big plays in the red zone or including the touchdown could be the difference in the game, in this game. And he, you know, I would expect him to be involved in a play like that, but, uh, let's switch it, switch it over. You mentioned Kelsey and you no, know, Kelsey definitely is the, the best receiving tight end, the, the most explosive tight end in the league right now. The only tight end ever in the NFL to have four straight thousand yard recepts reception. So this game is potentially going to be a big showcase for him and that entire uh, KC offense, uh, a great offense with a great leader in Mahomes, great speed from basically all their receivers, uh, that trio Hill, Watkins, uh, Miko, uh, uh, and and you know it's it's just so many ways that they could beat you, and they're going against you no know, probably the best defense in the league right now in San Francisco. Uh, can rush you with four men or even three men on some occasions. They have some at athleticism at every uh, level of their defense and a a, a, a very clutch. Uh, and, uh, experienced guy and Richard Sherman leading that uh, defensive backfield. So as we look at as we switch the the ball over now and look at that that matchup, you know what, what do you think are the keys uh, between the two teams there? 
Yeah, how about uh, how about this matchup? You probably got the best two units in football, uh, the best offense versus the best defense, and overall, just it. I don't know if there was a better offense than the San Fran defense other than Kansas City. I mean, this should be heavyweight. I mean, this should be uh, you know rumble in the jungle type, but like it should be an all-out slugfest. The big thing right away is you know, Patrick Mahomes and the line of scrimmage because Patrick Mahomes, obviously being the quarterback, he's in control. If he sees something that they're doing or sees a matchup that he likes, he's going to have obviously full control and full ability to do whatever he wants in Andy Reid's system. And, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for San Francisco to beat that. I'm sure Robert Sala, who, if he's not a head coach next year, I think a lot of the league is messing up because I'm surprised he's he was so little considered this offseason with what he's done defensively. He's He's been a great defensive coordinator for the 49ers. I'm sure he's going to have some tricks up his sleeve for play calling and, and try to confuse Patrick Mahomes a little bit. And, you know, that's fine. If that happens, I would expect Patrick Mahomes, you know, to just make the best of a bad situation, not make many mistakes in terms of interceptions and fumbles. Sure, that can happen, but, you know, he's just been so good at that. I, I don't think all of a sudden in the Super Bowl it's going to be like, oh, he can't hold on to the football, or, oh, he can't hit a receiver. It's just going to be interception after. I don't expect that to happen either. So I think both sides are going to get a little bit of the other, uh, maybe not in turnovers, but maybe some sacks for the 49ers that leads to some stops. I'm sure the uh, Kansas City Chiefs offense is going to score. I feel really good about that, and I also feel really good about Patrick Mahomes making a lot of good plays. And really, I think the game could be won and lost in this matchup, uh, probably more so in San Fran's offense versus Kansas City's defense. But, you know, if any of these heavyweights don't come to play, it's going to be a rough day for their counterpart unit, and they're going to be put in a position that they don't want to be in. So... I expect these heavyweights to come out big time. And I think ultimately Patrick Mahomes being the best is going to be the difference. But if there is going to be a, a stop of Patrick Mahomes, like taking him down in San Francisco winning, I think a big key is that line of scrimmage because that front four of San Fran with all those first rounders and all that talent, like Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner and D Ford, like we talked about, if they are playing well, and certainly the weakest part about Kansas City is probably their offensive line, and not to say that that's a huge problem because I believe a uh, stat I saw is Patrick Mahomes, where you think he would probably be better, like how Russell Wilson is holding onto the football past three seconds, making plays. You would think that that's where his highest quarterback rating is. I think it's actually the opposite. In 2.5 seconds or less, he has the highest quarterback rating in the league. And, you know, he's so good at reading and just getting rid of the footballs. It's going to be really tough for that pass rush to come in and, and get a lot of sacks. So I don't expect a ton, but can that front four really hold the line of scrimmage on the run and get pressure and throw Patrick Mahomes off a little bit with that rush? Because if they can't get pressure with that four and affect him, they have to start blitzing. And that means less spies on Patrick Mahomes, and if he gets to the edges, he is as deadly as it gets with that arm and his running ability and his creativity. So for San Fran, they got to play a really disciplined game defensively, I think, to beat this Chiefs team. And and for the Chiefs, they've just got to come out, I think, and, and play the way that they've been playing. 
you know, let Patrick Mahomes do his thing. He is just so in control right now. I think he's the best player in football at this point in time. So let him go out there at the most critical position with the most control. Let him just go out there and win the game because he doesn't care if he runs the ball 30 times and barely throws it. I don't think he has that much pride. I really think all he cares about is winning for his guys. And I expect him to go out there and play so well that it's just going to be too much. Yeah. The great thing about Mahomes and having Mahomes is that even if things go off a little bit, he can make plays that can that can uh, break open the game for you. He can he can throw underhand or or, or shovel passes or side arms. Yeah, the no look, no looks. He could though he does those. He doesn't do those things because he he's going out there planning to do those things. He do he does those things because he has such a feel for the game that when things go foobar, he can just you know he could just improvise and make something happen out of nothing. But if you're San Francisco, you kind of want to put him in that position more so than not. Well, given your defense, because like you like you say there, like you just said, Ryan, if he's if he's making his plays, if he's coming out of the uh, right out of out of snap and he's making plays within two or three seconds, that means that what they're intending to do is always on point. That he's his first reads are good, and that that means that probably means that. Those first, those that intended receiver is getting off the line of scrimmage well, and they're speeding right by the the San Francisco defenders. They don't want that. They want to be able to cover them one on one, or be able to shield them from getting upfield and breaking out. You know, plays that are first downs, and or if they get them on second or third and longs, plays that go past those markers easily. So I, I it does make sense that you want to draw plays out with Mahomes and have him have to think about things more than he usually does. The, the, the crazy thing though, is that he still can make great plays if he has to scramble. Like, like you said, if he gets out on the edge and does things like he did that, that incredible run against Houston and everything it's, it's, it's just, a, it's amazing what he can do on the fly. But if you're San Francisco, you're going to want him to be in that unexpected area more so than, you know, where things are just snapping off, popping off right away. Yeah, those are those are good points, Kyle. And, like, the big thing with the, the 49ers is they play a lot of cover three. They're a lot like the Seahawks Legion of Boom style defense. That's why Richard Sherman works so well there. So they are hoping, which, you know, that should work well for them. In this matchup, you know, the cover three can take away some of those early, uh, you know, underneath throws and certainly takes away the over the top stuff. And where it's a little bit more vulnerable is kind of in the middle and uh, deep side of that intermediate sideline. So certainly Patrick Mahomes knows that he knows how to beat cover three. It's not going to be necessarily an issue of that. But the good thing about cover three is you can, you, when you run a lot of zone, you can do a lot of different disguise stuff off of it versus man, where you're kind of just uh, settling up man to man. And I think for Robert Sala, he's hoping that his zone and that they can disguise it enough where maybe they can take away some of those quick reads from Patrick Mahomes and force him, like you said, into those longer reads. Because as long as they keep the over-the-top nature of the cover three, they should be able to come downhill, especially if those receivers get too far downfield, and maybe make a play on the football or at least a play on the receiver 
and by then you would think that that pass rush would be able to get there and affect them. And as long as they have enough speed at their linebacking position, which they do, maybe they can stop the big runs of Patrick Mahomes. But as you've said, and as I said, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, this is really the scary thing for defensive coordinators because a lot of times quarterback, look at Tom Brady. If you get him off schedule, not that he's bad, but he's a lot more vulnerable because he doesn't have those wheels. He doesn't have that mobility. Same thing with like Peyton Manning. That was a big problem with Aaron Rodgers when he was in his prime and going to the Super Bowl and winning and beating the, the Steelers. He was so good at the quick throws and the immediate reads and being on schedule, but he was so deadly off schedule too. Patrick Mahomes is just the same. I mean, this is like a reincarnation of when Aaron Rodgers was easily competing for best player in NFL history because he had that insane touchdown to interception ratio. Patrick Mahomes is built for, is cut from the same cloth with maybe a better arm and better wheels. He is so good on schedule. And we just said 2.5 seconds or less highest quarterback rating in the league. So good on schedule. But he might be even more special off schedule. I don't know how you combat that. I mean, you have to just tell your defense, look, guys, if we're not disciplined from start to finish of each whistle, we're not going to have much chance in this game. Yeah, they can't slip up at all. There's no no uh, margin for error, really, for for their defense. But, you know, they got some. They got players. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see it. If they can make any type of play, they may have they may have to make a play. They they probably won't be given much, but if they can make a play, you know, somehow get it in a, get under a ball and, and take it away from the receiver, get it in. I, I think that's got to find some way to turn the ball over and make make KC turn the ball over. If they don't, then it's probably just going to be another game where KC is able to score. 30, 40 points each. And if they're scoring like that, really you, you can't beat them. Yeah. I mean, that that's tough because I, I always say this, you know, we know as Bears fans, when the Bears play the Packers, you know, everyone's like, you got to get some turnovers. But I always come back to the same thing. Aaron Rodgers really just doesn't turn the ball over. Same thing with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, fumbles can happen. And if that happens for sure, that's, that's going to be a huge thing that we talk about. But assuming that the random fumbles don't happen, I mean, Patrick Mahomes just won't throw you the football. And he is so good at not fumbling the football either. If anything, you might get one. And that's just like, man, is that going to be enough? So it's going to be obviously big for them to get any type of extra possessions, however they get it from special teams, defense, whatever, because they're going to need them. I think just the other thing too is, you know, Patrick Mahomes is is so good at moving around and making so many plays. Can like a guy like Richard Sherman shut down the side of the field? Because traditionally he was able to do that, even against Aaron Rodgers. Is he still able to take away a side of the field? Because if you can at least take something away from Patrick Mahomes without it being interception or fumble, I think you got a great chance, or at least a chance, I should say. Not a great chance, a chance. Because the other thing, too, is can you get pressure on him? He's so good at avoiding sacks, whether it's throwing the ball away or running and tucking it or throwing on the run or whatever it is. Because a lot of times you even heard ESPN profiles and some of the other 
NFL and, and pregame shows, you see in film, Patrick Mahomes just drifts backwards. He'll even go like 10, 15 yards backwards. It's almost like Madden because he has such arm strength and accuracy. Who cares? I can drift away because it's you're not going to make a play on the football anyways. And that ability makes it so hard because as a defensive uh, player that's rushing after him, first of all, you're susceptible because the entire field's open. But the other thing is you have to bust your butt running upfield to get after him. You're not going to have much uh, running left if he starts taking off. Yeah. You get some mention to special teams and how that can affect possessions and stuff. Of course, you know, that's an important part of any game. I think in, in Super Bowls and games like this, that could be even more important, you know, because, you know, the possessions are of such, of such uh, importance and where you start and, and everything, can you, it can mean a big difference. Kansas City has the ability to score really from anywhere. You know, we've compared them uh, previous uh, shows to, uh, you know, go to state. Uh, at their at their at their best when uh, you know they can just shoot you know shoot from anywhere they can play it at at a, at a high tempo and just run you off the court that's sort of the way that Kansas City runs its offense they they sort of want to run you off the field so you know that may not be as big of an issue where where you know you may pin them down in their own territory you know that's not going to matter as much to them you know and you can maybe say the same with with San Francisco as well. Uh, given their their running ability, but uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of times these games come down to field goals and you know extra points and you know both of these teams have good kickers. But I was just wondering is there anything that that you think sticks out uh, on the special team side with either either team that could maybe make an impact? Oh yeah, if you're a Bears fan, you can't lose because you got Robbie Gold on one side and Dave Tobe special teams coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs on the other side. Yeah. Bears connections galore. All the people that are hating the Bears that because they didn't draft Mahomes, they can look to the special teams and get some positivity. But uh, in terms of making an impact in this game, I think it's just going to be mistakes, honestly, because I think both units are really well coached, execute really well, have a lot of good players. Like you said, two, bo- two teams have really good kickers. Uh, punting hasn't been a problem for really either team. Neither has coverage. Uh, they've got some guys that can definitely put heat on you in the return game. So uh, I, I like both teams, special teams. It's just going to come down to who executes better. And, uh, you know, Robbie Gold has no control over that. So maybe advantage Dave Tobe in the uh, Bears section of the Super Bowl breakdown. There's still a chance. Maybe he, there's still a chance he may be the next Bears coach. You know, we've been saying that for for years now. We're told, but uh, you know, maybe maybe a, maybe another good performance this year will put them high on the list. If uh, you want a hot take here, Kyle, how about this? <laughs> hey, I think Pat Fitzgerald it's... has a better chance than Dave Tobe. Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah, how about that? Oh man, I can't believe that, man. <laughs> I would. How about that? I, I would hope not. But why? Why was that? Why? Why? Why is Tobe now so far away from the Bears' position? You know, because I think they've had a couple openings. I think they interviewed him after Lovey was let go, and yeah. they ultimately decided to go with Tressman. And you know, they could have interviewed him again. They they obviously know about him. They were 
well connected with Kansas City with Chris Ballard being there, and then of course they go with Matt Nagy yeah. as the head coach. Um, so I just I, I don't think they're interested at all. But the Pat Fitzgerald thing, I mean, come on, that's so Bears. Let's get rid of Matt Nagy. Let's get rid of Ryan Pace. We need to do this a different way. Here's this guy at Northwestern that said he would only take one NFL job, and that would be the Bears. Oh, it just smells Bearsian to me. Yeah, we went we went the intelligent offensive guy route. Now let's go with a guy who worries about students texting in the stands. That, you are right about that. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, uh, not to segue too far away from the game, but with the Bears, you know, a lot of st- a lot at stake this season. And it, could you imagine if Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are let go after the year if they have another bad season? I mean, uh, he... I'm sorry? I could imagine it, yeah. I'm just thinking of, like, it's... when Aaron Rodgers was drafted by the Packers and you had so many regimes come in to try to shut him down, take him down, and – maybe draft the right players to be comparable to him and none of it worked. And now you're just seeing it with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. It's just going to happen all over again where it's just all these regimes coming in and we're going to be watching those guys for 20 years and thinking, man, we could have had him and we haven't had nothing since. Yeah. We're definitely in the, in the trailblazers, uh, Sam Bowie position right now, but, uh, you know, we'll, Oh, say it like that, Kyle, because then it sounds justified. What what sounds justified? Like karma for us getting Michael. Now you you lose out on Patrick Mahomes. Oh, don't get me on that. The the Bulls' karma, the Bulls have suffered enough karma in regards to Michael with LeBron James. So I think. True, true. Fair enough. I would hate that it's transferred to the football team, too, but. I don't know. That, that would that would really suck. But. Man, Cubs had a hundred year curse. I mean, what is this? What's going on here? In Chicago, man. We need some karma. Pendulum should be swinging our way. Let's go. Where's that like Boston run of eight years where we're just winning titles? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe the Sox will get it started. Twenty twenties. Maybe it's the twenty twenties. Cubs get. Cubs get right, White Sox get right, Bulls get lucky with uh, Weissman becoming the next best player in the NBA, and uh, maybe Mitch turns it around. How about that? This is this you got to have hope, man. We got to have hope. But, but maybe we, they draft uh, Jake Crum and he somehow is Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, maybe that could work. That could work. I, I just, I just want to see something that good happen and. Must not have to look like dummies to the rest of the NFL, but uh, we'll see. But we, we'll we'll talk a couple of bad things in a minute here. But before we get into that, just give give me your 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 final prediction for the Super Bowl. Uh, when we did the D and Davis show, we recorded last night. Um, I went with Kansas City. I feel good about Kansas City. Not especially good, but I think when all things are kind of equal and I don't think of Kansas City's defense as some huge weakness like some people do, they're probably the weakest unit of all the units in this game, but 
that doesn't mean that they're a bad unit either. And as long as they can play well enough, and as long as Kansas City's offense shows up, which I think they will because of that man, um, I, I'm going to go Kansas City. I think that they're going to, like I said, win some on offense, lose some. So I, I got them at 33 points, and I'm going to put San Fran at 27. Okay. We've, I, we've, we've been going – we've been pretty much on the same page with all our picks this whole season. So I'm going to actually go against you this time. And I'm, I'm going with the 49ers for not not for any really pressing reasons. I don't have a, this rooting interest in this game. I, I do like both teams. But, I'm you know, consider us – San Fran? Huh? Sorry to interrupt, but San Fran, Kyle, come on. You got you to gotta have some disdain for San Fran. Not really. Not, not as presently constructed. I mean, I'll, you know. True. Not a presently constructed, but thinking of, what was it, 86? Lost in the NFC Championship game? 80s, yeah, the, the 80s San, San Fran team was horrible. They, they, they were the only thing that stood between the Bears and probably three or four Super Bowls. But yeah. you know, I, I like I said, I, this team I like, and and you know, I I, I like, I, like I said, I like, I like, I'm, I think more as an NFC guy, I'm more, you know, I've just been, I've been so impressed all year with the way that they run the ball, and I I would like to see that be showcased again in the Super Bowl, and for, you know, the most story, whether it's him or not. No, that's a great story, and if, if he can be a Super Bowl MVP, that would be, like I said, a, a hell of a story, given you know his difficulties in breaking through in the league. And you know, I, I just you know I, I want to see I want to see that run that run attack. I want to see that defense. I want to see somebody put uh, Mahomes in a position where he has to prove he has to you know, prove a little more of himself. And and I you know I don't I, I don't want to see Mahomes go without a Super Bowl in his, in his career, but I think him going there and losing once may be a good thing for him. It may be a bad thing for the rest of the league, but it may be a good thing to see you know for him. So I'm 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 just sort of I'm like I say I'm 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 on that edge there where I'm just I'm just I'm going for the NFC guys. I'm going for traditional. Power running and defense, and you know I, I think San Francisco defense is gonna do something to change the course of the game and put it in their favor. And with that running attack, they'll be able to control the ball well enough to keep KC from, you know, really bombing them with with their offense. So I'm I'm gonna go with a similar score with you. I'll say 34-31-9. Okay. Yeah, I think that that's a solid pick. 49ers are I, the Niners were I think they like the third best scoring offense in the league too. So they can yeah. score. Now I like, remember that game against New Orleans um yeah. earlier this year. That offense had to score a lot of points and they did. I mean, they yeah. played great in a very hostile environment. I mean, that is an away game playing the East Coast. You know, or I'm sorry, they're central time, I think. So you're playing central time. But, but still, yeah. that, that early game, West Coast trip, 
that's tough. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they play tough games throughout the season. So I think, you know, I don't think there's anything that's going to, to rattle them. Yeah, they, and that's the other thing, too. They All their losses were close. Mm-hmm. They haven't gotten blown out in any game. They definitely had a chance to win every single game. I mean, they could be undefeated right now, and they had some bounces go their way and played maybe a little bit better, like in that Falcons game, but they still had a chance to win that one. So, uh, you know, for me, the one key that maybe we didn't talk about is Jimmy Garoppolo, because I, I felt going into that Packers game like he was – a big key, but maybe I should have trusted my gut a little bit more thinking San Fran might steamroll Green Bay. Maybe my mind didn't want to believe it, but I kind of felt like it was just a bad matchup for Green Bay. Uh, I just did not think that they were going to win that game. Uh, Maybe I didn't think they'd get blown out, but boy, it was just like beat down central, assuming that that doesn't happen again. And it comes back to where Jimmy has to make some plays because that's really the thing with the 49ers. They have everything you want, really, talent-wise. As long as they have a quarterback that can deliver on some big clutch throws, uh, they're going to have uh, as much of a right to that title. I mean, that's going to be very tough for Patrick Mahomes to overcome because even if he plays a 10 out of 10 game, if Garoppolo can play 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, which is still pretty good, but if you can play that type of game, you should be able to win this. Yeah, I think the key for him – again, would be keeping the ball in it's, it's managing. It's keeping the ball in San Francisco's hand, not doing stupid stuff. Because he will throw some picks. That is one yeah. thing Garoppolo will do. Yeah, so you know, hopefully he doesn't give anything. If he he can maybe give give away one one possession and they could be okay, but if he gives away multiple possessions, then they're going to be in big trouble. But, you know, the there's less pressure, though, on him. There's less pressure on him, you know, in in when you consider everything, because he doesn't. He, I think he knows, and I think he doesn't have to have a, a great game for them to win, and he knows that his that his coach has, you know, he's gonna he's gonna do things to take him take the pressure off of him if he's sensing that the moment is becoming too big for him. So you know, it's. He just got to go out there and, and and do the best he can and just not get in the way of them winning. Yeah, Kyle, that's a, that's a really good point. And it, I'll tell you one thing. If Jimmy didn't know that he just needed to kind of just do whatever, uh, do his role to win the game, he sure knew after that NFC Championship game because with only eight attempts to get a win, he must have think he must really believe now, hey, if I don't screw this up, we're going to win. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So uh, thanks, thanks again, Ryan, for uh, you know helping me pick the uh, helping me go through this game and pick everything. And I think uh, I think we've given. I've told the audience throughout the year that you should listen to to me and Ryan when it comes to the football stuff. And uh, you would have had a good year. Yeah, yeah. So you know, just look. You know, all our episodes are still up on on War on Anchor, so you know you can you can listen back if you want if you need more proof. But uh, by next year, if you're not listening to what we got to say, or listening weekly to our to our football discussions, then you know I, that's just on you, man. But uh, you know, keep bad it up. Bad idea. Bad yeah. idea. Bad idea. 
But uh, you know, before we go, keeping up with with these bears as we do as through Chicago, uh, just a couple of things that's happened this week. Uh, the Bears, uh, pretty good news. Uh, not really news that was expected, I guess, unless you really had your ear to the street. But they pick up a guy named Trey Roberson, uh, a cornerback who was uh, seen as the, the top free agent coming out of the Canadian Football League this year. He uh, he did have some experience previously in the NFL with the Vikings. He was a, a big talent at, at Indiana, University of Indiana, and it's from uh, Indianapolis. Uh, originally was a, a, a great football player in high school in that state. But, uh, you know, he just – you know, he had to go to the CFL and, uh, you know, he put in some work up there and apparently he was of a, a much demand here uh, in the offseason here in, in, in the States. Uh, they say he chose the Bears over like nine other teams. So, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you're going to do something like this, you know, go to the CFL, which is something that, you know, I, uh, I saw a guy on Twitter make mention of this. You know, Ryan Pace really has throughout the year, going back to his time in, in uh, New Orleans even, has done a lot of signing of uh, CFL players, and mostly the good to good use. And, um, you know, this has uh, been reported as the, the numbers aren't out yet, I don't think, but it's, this has been reported as the biggest deal the CFL creation has received from NFL. And, uh, you know, like I said, if, if nine other teams were looking at him, I guess it's a good, it's definitely a good look that the Bears got him. What, what do you think about that, Ryan? Yeah, it's an interesting signing. Um, when you look at giving him the largest contract to a CFL player, you know, maybe that's a product of the cap going up. Maybe it's a product of, you know, the Bears really wanting him, and that's why he chose them over nine other teams. Maybe the money was the same basically across the board, and he chose the Bears. Either way, I think uh, it's a solid look. It's a good look because, you know, you look at their secondary. If, let's say, he was a big-time surprise and became a really good player and you felt like he could be a starter, you know, relatively quickly, maybe you get rid of Prince Mukamura and try to save some money because you are in his last year and you could save – uh, you know, a good amount on cap. Maybe you think, hey, at least he's an insurance policy if Trey, if uh, Amukamara goes down or Fuller goes down. So uh, I like the idea of going out there, trying to be creative. If he's the top CFL free agent, that's the type of guy that I would want to sign. And the Bears were able to do it. And I think that's a positive step. But, you know, we'll have to just see what happens because he, like you said, he's from uh, Indianapolis, went to Indiana, then went to Illinois State, played quarterback there. Uh, right. Extremely athletic. That's the thing that jumped out about you with him. And he couldn't necessarily, I think, get down the nuances of the position. And I think that's what led to the change in cornerback. And he has that unique perspective. And sometimes those are the, that perspective is what makes a player become great being that he understands the quarterback position somewhat having played there for so long and at least knowing things and knowing how quarterbacks think when they look at different coverages and look at corners in whatever position. So hopefully this is a a good signing, but I do remember how Steven Denmark, who they drafted, I think, what was it last year? 
and uh, he was this freak of nature, just converted to cornerback, was a wide receiver, and really just not much came of it, and I believe he was one of the first cuts that they had. So maybe this guy being in the CFL has a little bit more experience and a little bit more predictability in his play versus a rookie coming out of college. Hopefully it just translates because the Bears, they need talent. They need a lot more talent. Yeah, and you and you get it where you can, you know. Uh, he's uh, 27 years old, so he's in a good, good, uh, a good age. Got, you know, experience, but he's got plenty of time ahead of him. He fits well with the, with the age range of the of the people the Bears got now, and uh, seven interceptions in 16 games with Calgary last year. You know, good production for the CFL. I don't know. Again, if the translation, if the, the translation, uh, if it translates to seven in the NFL, exactly, but you know, Canadian transition. <laughs> I bet state. you, uh, I bet you, he's smaller field though. Oh yeah, probably tired of playing on that big, big, big field. Yeah, so yeah, that that could maybe mean something for him too, playing on a smaller field, and you know that. Uh, yeah, that that could work. You know, I I I say I like the Bears being creative. I like them uh, getting a guy who other people wanted. You know, when like he was just some uh, somebody they that you could they could have got for a penny in in the, in the Tim Hortons uh, coupon. You know, they did. Uh, he was he's a he's a wanted guy, so they got him. So big ups to the Bears for that, and hopefully he'll uh, make the roster and make an impact. Uh, starting this year so but uh a guy who another guy we want to make an impact is uh definitely Mick Trubisky uh, you know the reports came out this week about him having surgery on his on is the throwing shoulder right no non-throwing oh, the his left torn labrum the one the one that he injured against right stemming from that dislocated shoulder right okay okay so I mean I guess uh does it does it reframe the way that we look at his that the rest of his season in any way that you know does it because it, you know it's not the throwing shoulder but I'm sure it does affect him in, in quite a bit but you know how do we I mean how do we look this how are we supposed to look at this at this news in regards to what he did last year and what he possibly could be going for. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't put uh, a, a ton of weight in that shoulder being a huge problem or one of the big reasons for his problems last year. But I definitely think it plays a factor. You know, different guys play better with different pain levels. I mean, obviously in football, you're going to play with pain. I mean, that's just the way it is. But at quarterback, you know, you can be relatively healthy compared to all the other positions on the field, except for maybe kicker and punter. Uh, because those guys seemingly rarely get touched. But I think at at quarterback, you know, there's a lot of learning, a lot of development. I don't know if Mitch really played. I don't know how injured he was uh, two seasons ago when he had that shoulder injury and he missed a couple weeks. I don't know how bad that one was. Uh, he doesn't really give a good picture. And, you know, it's his inconsistent play, it seemingly happens if he's healthy or not. But you do wonder if maybe – he comes back because it happened early in the season. He comes back from his shoulder problem, has a few weeks where he 
played really horribly. And then he started playing a little bit better towards the end of the year. Not that it was groundbreaking or terrific, but it, it was better play for what the standard he had set. So I think it does play a factor, but again, we can't put too much weight in it. Hopefully what it means is he's developed with understanding, you know, I'm going to play hurt sometimes and I can't let it affect my play or my job. That's no excuse. If you're too hurt to play, then you sit on the sideline. If you're going to play, you have to play well at that position, period. There's no in between because if you don't play well, you're open to criticism and open to losses more importantly. And uh, the only other thing I thought when I saw this injury news is, you know, with the horror stories I've heard with the labrum is essentially that the arm has to be completely immobilized and you really can't lay down at all. Like you are essentially like sitting in a chair to sleep and everything. And usually it's, it's a rough recovery because you just are so limited in how you can sit and how you can kind of be comfortable in simple things like sleeping and just relaxing. Maybe with all this discomfort and him staying up, he'll have extra time to watch film and get better at reading defenses because, boy, he needs to spend a lot of time on that. And maybe this is a blessing in disguise in that area. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I, if you talk about labrums, too, it's come out that George Kittle is, you know, just a, a, a quick tie oh, right. back to football. Yeah, he's played with a torn labrum. How long? How long? Famously, did uh, a couple seasons ago when yeah. he had the torn labor. Yeah, so I mean, I guess it's easier. Like I say, you know, some people have, like you say, some people have different thresholds for pain. Some positions it's easier to work with injuries with certain injuries. Like you know, in Kittle's case, you just got to catch the ball. You know, different than throwing. You know, you got throwing motions and stuff you know, that could be affected. You know, regardless of which shoulders are, but you know, yeah, like like you say, hopefully, uh, you know, it it just gives, you know, he has time to heal, and hopefully, it gives him time to to look at what he's doing, and more time to look at what he's doing, and more time to to study and all that stuff, all that, all that uh makes a difference. And, yeah, and we 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 talk about study. I heard a, and and you mentioned uh, Kobe too at the beginning of our talk. Uh, I heard this cool story, you know, people, you know, and the one thing about a tragedy like this is that you get to learn so much about a person and, and, and losing them. And, you know, a lot of different stories come out, from, you know, that have never been told, previously haven't told, or, you know, you haven't heard much unless you're, in, you're plugged in with certain, uh, you know, people and stuff. But Peter King, told a story this week about Kobe Bryant uh, speaking to the Los Angeles Chargers before the, before the season, so their first season in L.A. And they he, told, he, he said that they were so enamored with what he said and so influenced by what he said that uh, like half the team bought the book Jonathan Livingston Seagull because Kobe recommended it to him. In the talk, they asked him like, "What is a book? A book that uh, was important to him, or something like that?" And he, he said, "Jonathan, Jonathan Livingston Seagull." And they, like, say they've been uh, Peter King said they, or so many of the team bought the book. So I was wondering, like, if you had a, if you had a book suggestion for the band, what would what would it be, right? 
Mm. Okay. Well, two things real quick. I heard that Peter King soundbite uh, when he said it that day. I think it was Monday he said it. And uh, it was on the Dan Patrick show, I believe. What, I have a little curiosity with that because I've also heard because they what he said was that he the Chargers asked what's your favorite book and he mentioned the book that you said John Livingston Seagulls uh, but I also saw that The Alchemist is his favorite book on somewhere else and he was working with that author of The Alchemist developing a children's book and I believe the author came out just a day ago and said that he's deleting it because it simply just doesn't make sense to pursue it without Kobe Bryant. So mm-hmm. I'm very curious about that. I wonder if it was favorite book or recommended book because I've heard two different stories now, but either way, it's both are great stories in themselves for the bears. Boy, you know, I'm trying to think of a book where maybe it's one of those idiot guides. Like they just need one of those slim books where it's not a lot of words. It's just like, like talk about football or something or at subject matter where it's like, Hey, you know, things take time. You make mistakes, but you can't compound mistakes by making the same mistakes. You have to realize what you're doing and stop doing it. And if you can't figure that out, you got to ask for help. And that's what I would think the Bears need to do. Like, of course, I asked Ernie Acorsi for Ryan Pace's recommendation. I say to that, who is Ernie Acorsi? Even though he famously took built that Giants team that went to the Super Bowl and beat the Patriots, that was undefeated. But the point is, he's not Bill Parcells. He's not some of these great minds and he's an older mind has been unemployed for a while versus some of these new age minds you have to be a little bit more creative in who you hire in the process because right now ryan pace is not looking good but we'll see what happens maybe he's able to rebound because he's done some nice things but other than that it seems like they constantly just go to the old rolodex pick baffling uh people for the job because remember famously the colts who have their gm chris ballard he was in the running for Ryan Pace's job, and he seemed to be the automatic make sense because they had hired Phil Embry, who was an ex-scout of the Bears. Chris Ballard was connected to the Bears. Why wouldn't they go with a guy that's considered one of the best up-and-coming GM prospects who's been in your building and had a lot of success because he was during those early love years when they went to the Super Bowl? So now it's it's kind of like they need to just – admit that the mistakes have happened in the past and start looking at things in the future. Like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta build the quarterback position. We hired a guy that said, we're going to take a quarterback every year. And we don't do that. What's what's killed you against the Packers, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. You have to find some people that know what they're doing at that position and start building from there. I've got, I'm, I got you, man. I got you. I think, you say you know they may need a, a small book or a simple book. I go with I go with something out of the Berenstein Bears oeuvre. You know, uh, you know maybe they maybe they like the pictures. You know, I liked the Berenstein Bears when I was in grade school. You know, maybe they will, maybe they'll uh, like like those pictures and you know the bright colors and everything. There's a, well, we there's know a, it's got to be uh, fiction because they love delusion. They're not going to respond to truth and facts. 
So it's got to be fixed with baseline. See, what's the book? The book I'm looking at now, it says the Berenstein Bears, Honesty Counts. Ooh. I, I want to recommend that to them. They have to be more honest with themselves and be more honest with us as well. I think yeah. that's a good I think we're saying the same thing, really. Like, you know, yeah. admit mistakes, be honest with yourself, don't lie to yourself. Like, simple things. You got to wake up. Like, tradition's great, but nobody cares about a tradition of losing. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta bring it back. You know, they gotta, they gotta do those, those most, things. I mean, we got the most Hall of Famers in the NFL in one ring. What does that tell you? Yeah, I, I know that they're still relying on the on the pre Super Bowl uh, championships, but they, they yeah, one is it's that's it one in the Super Bowl era. That's like a, one for a couple of seasons. We would be. Cleveland and Detroit, basically. Yeah. I mean, win one, lose one. Packers have done that since 98. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 you, talk, it's, you talk about how, how things could change in an instant. It's, you know, we, it's, it's it just, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to imagine, you know, the possibilities that are, that are there sometimes. But that's, I mean, you got to be thankful for what you got sometimes. And it's extremely tough. It's really hard to predict. But you got to look at what Kansas City did. I mean, you have to find that guy at quarterback. It doesn't have to be the best player ever and the best player in the world. But when you know you've got the right guy, you can really build something. If you don't have that guy, it's just it's fruitless labor because you've got such an uphill climb. You got to have great coaching. You got to have great players everywhere else. You got to have a great scheme and, and all these things. And that's tough. You know, it's great when you got a, a guy that's capable of winning you a game and that's what they have to find. Yeah. And that, and that's the one thing that this, when you look at the franchise and how bad has been, and, you know, bad or fruitless, a lot of the efforts have been in the modern times. It's because we haven't had a modern quarterback work with that. So, you know, that's that's sort of is – I think there is a lot of comparison that you could say between the Bears and uh, Kansas City. Because Kansas City had – they had, you know, their 50, their 50 years now in between this, this team and their last uh, Super Bowl team. So they spend a lot of time in the desert as well. They spend a lot of time, you know, trying to have a quarterback that was that was really a, a, a guy that, that could carry them. They they tried all sorts of things. They tried an old Joe Montana, but they they didn't they never had that guy until uh, you know that till uh, today with uh, with with home with Patrick Mahomes. So now they got that guy, and, and it, it shot them up the ranks, and they've uh, earned their way back to the Super Bowl. It, it can happen. It can happen relatively quickly, but you got to do the right things. You got to be smart. And the, the Bears think they have a lot of smart people, but they haven't been as smart. They, their actions haven't been as smart as they were, were uh, like to, us to believe. So, yeah, I hope. Uh, I just hope ownerships like paying attention to what's going on. I mean, uh, there should be a lot of heat under Ryan Pace's seat. I mean, when you're watching Deshaun Watson doing what he's doing, and now obviously Patrick Mahomes, I mean, you pass up those guys, both of them. And they were obvious 
both of them were rated higher than Mitch. Maybe some people had, you know, Mahomes last or whatever, but Watson was the obvious pick. So there's no excuse there. It seems like the Bears have to just, if we're going to say, be honest with themselves, learn from their mistakes, they better be paying attention to what's happening. And somebody's head should roll, and not just a coach or a coordinator, but somebody's head should roll if Mitch Trubisky is a bust. Yep. Yep. That's a good. I'll give you that's a good last word there. Ryan Bukovetsky, as always, thanks, bro. He and the show every week. You can listen to that on uh, SoundCloud. The premieres on SoundCloud, Dean Davis Show. SoundCloud, just search. On Wednesdays, you can listen to it there. And on Thursdays, you can listen to it on uh, on uh, Sports Zone Chicago. Uh, each, uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, Sp- Sports Zone Chicago is available now on all uh, pop, uh, excuse me, on, on uh, iTunes, uh, excuse me, Apple Store, and uh, Google Store. So, uh, you know, wherever you get your apps, you can get Sports Zone Chicago. Just search it, and um, you know, uh, you know, enjoy all the new stuff that's coming, that's coming out. All these new talents we got. Uh, you know, independent voices based here in Chicago. You know, great, you know, great hardworking people do who uh, do this stuff because they love it and they wanna they wanna be seen, they wanna be heard. So you know, if you if you're sick of the the, the typical same sports uh, content out there, you know, try Sports Zone Chicago to check it out. And uh, you know, you'll definitely hear more from us on there in the coming weeks and months and all that. So this is Kyle Means, Ryan Bukovetsky once again. Uh, enjoy the big game, everybody. And, uh, you know, hope, you, hope your bets go, uh, you know, your prop bets go off, uh, get you some money, do some good things with that. And, uh, yeah, we'll check with y'all pretty soon down the line. Uh, you know, uh, the draft is coming up soon. You know, we'll have a lot of stuff there. And, uh, you know, ever some other big news break with the Bears, we'll be with that. I don't know, we maybe maybe get into some XFL stuff, I guess, if that if that winds up lasting more than a month or so. You know, maybe we'll start. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to put a, a, a little time limit of it's got to stay alive for X amount of time. Yeah, because we went, we went in on the, AF, the AAF. That Boy, was, did that fold fast! I couldn't believe it. Very disappointing. So, you know, I, it, it, you know, I. Didn't I, they want to rival the, or didn't they want to be the NFL of the spring? Yikes! Yeah, I mean, and, and you thought that they had the backing and stuff, but they couldn't. You know, they couldn't even keep their their money in their pockets. So I'm, I, I, you know, this big man, you know, he, he's, he's. he's had a hard on for this ever since he failed the first time, so you know, I know he's going to be determined. They got a lot of they got a lot of TV backing too, even more than the first time. So you know maybe that'll help it. But you know, like I said we we got to give it some time this time. I can't I can't go diving into that stuff. They got to prove something. Especially when is the when is the NFL going to watch? What, what were you saying? I was going to say. Uh, when is the NFL going to wise up and put on like an NFL spring league with different players and just dress it up and they'll get a ton of ratings and everybody will like it. 
get a farm system and they play in the spring or something. It might as well, but I, I guess they feel like they don't really have to. But they might as well, you know, because all these failed leagues is, is just embarrassing. They might as well do something themselves and you know feed you no know, further feed into people's insatiable need for football all year. Because they know they know that it's there, so you know why might as well just give some semi-pro people a chance to play in in the off season, and like I say, let people see more football. Yeah, get a get some like minor league system ish where you just pick some players that you're interested in. There's tons of people waiting for a call. You can just work them out March and April, eight week schedule, and that's it. Yep. You don't need to do playoffs and all that stuff. You can do, just do a championship game. Best two records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 it. That's it. Look, I'm I'm setting it up for them. They should just hire me. And listen to this pod. Exactly. I'll set it up. I'll beat the XFL this year. Exactly. It, you're missing out. You're missing out. You know, you're missing out, NFL. You're missing out, guys. But uh, you know, 2021, baby. I'm here for it. Right. Let's get it. Let's make it happen. Make it happen, Goodell. <laughs> Raj, come on. Be my guy. I'll yeah. get this thing cracking. Yeah. In the meantime, you know, you can listen to us here and, uh, you know, hang out with us, and, you know, from week to week. And, and uh, we'll give you give you whatever you need. Uh, any ideas and stuff, just make sure you attribute it to me or Ryan. And, uh, you know, that's it. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you later. Kyle Means, Robert Kovetsky, WeAreRegalRadio.com. War on Anchor. The movement continues.